Welcome to the Injured List Podcast, your source for all sports injury topics. For the weekend warrior to the sports fantasy guru, we keep you in the action and out of the injured list. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List Podcast, Brian Scott. Thank you, Colin, and welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Injured List Podcast. We have a lot of great content for you, as usual. If you haven't already subscribed, please go and do so. We have a lot more great content coming in the future. Stay tuned for today's episode. We'll be right You're listening to the Injured List Podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com. Now, back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode. This is episode number seven, our post-NFL draft analysis of the analysis, if you will. Um, last episode, we went through a bunch of top prospects and how their injuries may affect their draft position. And today we're going to kind of review my summary on those players and where they ended up in the draft getting selected. And we're going to go from there. Now, I'll give credit to the NFL. They did a great job with the virtual draft. It basically went off, from what I could tell, flawlessly, um, even though Bill Belichick felt it necessary to plug his dog in there to make a pick of a Division II player in the second or third round or whatever the heck, whatever it was, pretty crazy stuff. Um, he didn't seem to take it too seriously. So, But overall, I think the NFL did a great job, and uh, it seemed to go off pretty seamlessly. So I guess that little practice round they had a few days prior uh, really paid off. So kudos to them. It kind of brought a little bit of a sense of normalcy back to everyday life here. That, along with the broadcast of the Last Dance episodes three and four, uh, made this weekend feel somewhat back to normal for a brief period of time. Because as we know, things are still not going to be quite back to normal for quite some time yet. But hey, we had this nice, uh, this last weekend here to enjoy it. So um, we're going to get into my post-analysis analysis and we're going to start where we left from last week, where we basically had it broken down into three separate categories. We had a low-risk category, we had a moderate-risk category, and we had a high-risk category. I will tell you that I was pretty close as far as what I thought would happen with these draft picks, the way I calculated it, the way I kind of viewed it. I figured about eight out of the 13 we were pretty much on point with. <clears throat> the other five were kind of, uh, we were thinking along the, the right lines. I just don't know what may have changed their draft status. It may have been related to an injury. It may not have been. It's hard to say when you don't have all the pieces of the puzzle in front of you. But overall, I think we did pretty well. So I'm curious to hear what you guys might think a good grade for us would be here at the injured list. Uh, I'm going to give us a solid B. I thought we did really well working with limited information, which is basically the same information that you, the public, would find in any of the print or any of the online resources or any of the television media that you listen to or follow with. Uh, we basically use the same resources to gather our information that you guys hear and get as well. So 
we're just taking that information, we're compiling it together, and we're giving you uh, some educational materials, some stuff to kind of guide your fantasy football picks or any fantasy sport for that matter. And we're using our expertise in the field of sports medicine and sports injuries to kind of help kind of paint a picture and summarize what's been going on with some of these athletes. So if you guys have any particular topics that you want discussed, if you have any particular injuries of athletes or anything that you want to discuss um, or or you want me to discuss on the podcast, please let it be known. Give us a a shout out. Um, As you guys may or may not know, we now have Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook accounts up and running as well. So please find us on there, the Injured List podcast. You can shoot us a message and we'll be more than happy to respond and get back to you. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get started in just a second here. You're listening to the Injured List podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com. Now, back to the show. Devil's Advocate is a weekly sports talk show for the casual and diehard sports fan to be heard. My good friend, host Abe Delgado, wants to provide a show that is all about the fans. You can come on live or call to give your opinions on anything sports. I'm a regular guest on the show to talk about all things related to sports injuries. So we hope you'll join us and participate every Tuesday at 8 p.m. on Facebook Live. stuff right there hey guys by the way if you want to know where i get these sound bites and where i get some of this music from premiumbeats.com royalty free music this website is awesome they've got a lot of great material a lot of great stuff for your podcast or your show whatever you want to use it for check it out you'll be very impressed all right let's get started with some of these low risk athletes that i had gone through in the last episode and where they ended up and why I think that that had happened. Well, we're going to start with Troy Dye. He's a linebacker out of Oregon. He was taken in the fourth round, number 132 by Minnesota Vikings. And he fell down much further than I would have guessed based on the injury concerns that they had. He had played an entire season with a cast on his hand for a broken thumb. Not an entire season, maybe half. But he did really well. It didn't seem to slow him down at all. I think the thing that did slow him down, though, and may have hampered his draft position was the fact that he had surgery at the end of the season causing him to miss postseason and postseason workouts and that was for a torn meniscus in the knee not sure the extent of the damage in there but it could have raised some red flags depending on what they found during the surgery which may have caused his stock to drop a little bit i thought he would have gone a little higher it wasn't a very linebacker knee draft this year mostly um defensive line offensive line receivers um and secondary seemed to be the big ones once you get down into the lower first uh, past the top 10 so uh, you know i'm not really sure what uh, the cause was for concern but there could have been some red flags raised next up was brandon ayuki is a wide receiver out of arizona state he was taken actually number 25 overall in round one by the san francisco 49ers he had a very minor um, injury that he had been dealing with for several months it sounds like it was probably either a sports hernia or some type of adductor strain anyway he apparently had surgery to fix it probably put him on the shelf for about four to six weeks no big deal didn't seem to affect his medical evaluation didn't seem to affect his draft status at all in a very um highly regarded receiver class he went 
pretty high up there. So obviously uh, his medical did not raise too many red flags, if any at all. Next up, we have Zach Moss, running back out of Utah. Now, the reason I had him in low risk was because he had a bounce back year in 2019, and this was after undergoing uh, knee reconstructive ligament surgery in 2018. But he bounced back really nicely, had a 15 touchdown, 8,800 uh, yards from scrimmage this past year. And I would have thought that he would have went higher, but it didn't seem like there was a lot of need at the running back position this year for a lot of teams. He ended up falling to the Buffalo Bills in round three at the 86th pick, and he should complement that team very nicely. He should be a nice little combo back duo there with uh, Devin Singletary, and I'm sure he might get some opportunity to contribute quite early on in his career. I do expect that he'll uh, do well up there in Buffalo. It looks like he, his knee is pretty much as good as it's going to get, apparently. Um, I don't know if there were any red flags raised during his medical, but that could be one reason why he slipped down the round three. But there weren't really many running backs taken for him, so I don't think it was a huge, huge issue. Next up was LaVisca Chanel Jr. He was a wide receiver out of Colorado. He was taken in round two, number 42 overall, by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, he was coming off a relatively minor issue related to his, um, uh, what I think was a sports hernia. So I don't think this really affected his draft position at all. He still ran uh, a very <laughs> respectable 4-5 in the 40. And he had surgery and was sidelined a little bit, but that was after the combine. So didn't seem like it caused any red flags in the eyes of the organizations that were interested in drafting him. So I think we were pretty much on the money with that one there. Um, next up was Ashton Davis. He's a safety out of California. He was taken in round three, number 68 overall by the New York Jets. Now he had his season cut short and missed a bowl game and missed a senior bowl due to a some type of um, what they called groin injury. Not really sure. He did have to have surgery, though, to, to treat it. Uh, apparently, he's a freakishly athletic former track and field athlete, and my, from what I heard, the Jets may be looking to possibly convert him to cornerback or special teams use, um, but he's very athletic. I didn't think it was a major procedure that he had done. Uh, I don't just don't think maybe teams had him kind of plugged into any one specific position, which may have caused his stock to drop. I don't think it was due to his injuries. So I think we were pretty much on the ball there. Round three, 68 overall is respectable. It wasn't a very heavy um, need for safety by a lot of teams, although there were some really good safeties in this draft. Next up was Brian Edwards, a wide receiver out of South Carolina. He surprised me in the fact that he dropped down as much as he did, given that this uh, receiver had some pretty minor injuries that he was bouncing back from. He had fractured his fifth metatarsal in February, but was already out of the boot and walking out of the boot. Uh, however, he did miss the combine. Uh, so this could have affected his, his status a little bit. I don't think that the injury itself really pushed him back down. It, again, it was a very wide receiver heavy draft with a lot of talent. Um, he was considered a first or second round, possibly third round pick. So I think the Raiders got a nice little pickup here. He was a huge um, player for the University of South Carolina, set all kinds of records in receptions and reception yards. So he could be one of the steals um, later on in this draft if things pan out. All right, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back. and We're going to talk about the moderate risk players after this. 
You're listening to the Injured List Podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com. Now, back to the show. Hey guys, I just want to remind you to support your local small businesses. You know, during this pandemic, they've been hit pretty hard. One of our sponsors here on the show is the Perkentile and Creamery, which is owned and operated by my good friend, Sean Colas. It's located in Concord, North Carolina, right down the block from the Charlotte Motor Speedway. We love this shop. He's got great coffee, great desserts, great snacks, very family-friendly oriented uh, atmosphere there in the Perkentile. So check it out. Um, I just want to play this little promo plug for him, and I hope you guys, if you're in the area, give him a call, stop into the shop, let him know that Brian from the Injured List sent you, and he'll take good care of you. When you go out with the kids, you want to enjoy yourself too, right? You can't take them to the places where adults can relax, but you aren't in the mood for slides, bright lights, and cheesy gimmicks. So where can all of you go? We've got the best of both worlds at the Perkentile and Creamery. You can get the luxuries of being adult by choosing from our delicious coffees, teas, wines, or desserts in a beautiful, welcoming setting. And the kids will love our flavors of ice cream, brownies, and cookies, and can even spend time playing with toys, fun games, and books in our family room. Relax in our beautiful coffee and ice cream shop, hang out with the entire family, and make more memories. Put a smile on everyone's faces. Come on by to try out our latest goodies and treats or visit us at theperkentileandcreamery.com to discover more. All right, guys. Well, now we're going to talk about our moderate risk athletes. And the big one that I started with last time was Tua Tungavailoa. And I'm not going to get on to, into the injury again. We talked about that at length, not only in last week's episode, but we talked about it in a completely separate podcast episode where I addressed his injury concerns and his prior history with ankles and the hip. So I'm not going to get on into that again. But I, I do think uh, the take that I had was similar to what the Miami Dolphins were thinking. It looks like he's recovering really well from his current hip injury. There still is a red flag as far as the durability of this young man. He does have a history of some injuries on some pretty innocuous looking plays. And this could pose a potential risk for him in the future. The NFL is a much faster paced game, much harder hitting paced game. So uh, you do have to worry a little bit about his durability in the long-term part of his career. But if you're Miami, it's a risk worth taking. you got to sometimes roll the dice. The draft is the time to do it. If you have an opportunity to grab a franchise-altering quarterback, this was it. So I can't blame him for taking him. You have to pull the trigger there at number five. It, there's a pretty steep drop-off after him, I, I feel. Um, Herbert, uh, I think, has a lot of upside as well. <clears throat> but I think, too, is a little bit more polished right now in his phase of his game. So we'll see. All right. Marcus Bailey is another athlete that we talked about. He's a linebacker out of Purdue. He ended up dropping all the way down to round number seven, taken by the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, in all fairness, he is coming off an ACL reconstruction of his knee. He's about six months out from the surgery. 
Now, anytime you have an ACL injury to the knee, again, what we talked about earlier, there's always a risk that there could have been some internal or structural damage to the joint itself. And this is pretty common when it comes to ACL injuries. There's usually uh, not just isolated ACL injuries. There's usually some other type of injury, whether it be to the medial collateral ligament or possibly one of the meniscus, which are the two shock absorbers of the knee joint. So there's always some concern that there may have been some other structural damage there. That should have been found or noticed on initial examinations and imaging studies and then subsequent surgery. So this could have raised some red flags with him which is why teams may have balked on taking him earlier. He was a pretty highly ranked uh, linebacker and was a pretty successful linebacker at Purdue. Either way, I think he'll probably make a good recovery. The ACL surgeries themselves have been very good in the, in the near future here, and um, the outcomes have been very good in the short term. The long-term outcomes are still not quite uh, as, as good as we had hoped, but it's come a long way. The surgery is pretty much at its peak right now as far as I'm concerned. So you have to wonder if there may have been some other uh, things on his medical that they found that may have caused him to drop so far. Definitely missed the, the ball on that one. I didn't think he was going to drop to the seventh round, but hey, you can't get them all. Next after him was Julian Okwara. He was the defensive end for Notre Dame. He ended up falling to round three, number 67 by the Detroit Lions. Ironically, his brother plays for them, so he may have had some inside information, which prompted the Detroit Lions to take a chance. He is coming off a season-ending distal or uh, fibular fracture of the ankle. It was fixed surgically, and he ended up missing some time as a result of that. Now, it, it could have been an isolated fibular fracture, but my guess is that it probably was not. Apparently, it was described as a gruesome injury, so my guess is that there may have been some other structural injury to the ligaments, possibly the joint itself. He, from what I could tell based on reports, it seems like he didn't start running for at least the 8-10 to 10 week mark, which raises a red flag to me that there may have been some other structural repair or something else done besides fixing the fibular fracture. Um, which may have postponed his recovery slightly. Hopefully there's no damage or internal structural damage to the joint itself, and it, there's no bad prognosis here for his long-term outcomes. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Either way, he didn't fall too far, so either that was because his brother placed in Detroit and was reassuring to them that he's good to go, or uh, they knew something or didn't weren't worried by what they saw in the medical exams. Next up was Antoine Winfield Jr., the safety out of Minnesota. He ended up going in the second round, number 45 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I did not expect him to go so high given his injury history, but I guess that despite his medical, he was worth taking with this pick if there was a need. So he had missed two seasons in 2017 and 2018 due to medical redshirts for various reasons. Apparently, one was for a hamstring injury, one was for a foot injury. Not exactly sure of the details there. He had a bounce back 2019 and was a very highly ranked safety coming into the combine. Uh, he's got a good family pedigree. His father played in the NFL, was a Pro Bowl cornerback for the Minnesota Vikings. So... Uh, you know, I think that uh, Tampa Bay probably saw an opportunity to take him at this pick and decided that that's a, a significant need for them. So they went ahead and do it. And I think it was a risk worth taking. We'll see how he does. Uh, according, you know, if you look at his last year of production, he seemed to be pretty, pretty good and was pretty much lights out. So hopefully no long-term residual effects from his injuries there. <clears throat> now, the last one in my moderate risk category was Lucas Nang. He is an offensive tackle out of TCU. He ended up going in round three, number 96 overall, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, he was coming off of a season-ending surgery for a hip labrum tear that apparently was f f 
treated with arthroscopic surgery. Not sure if it was fixed or just debrided. That could play a role in possibly why he dipped down to round three. He was pretty highly regarded as far as offensive tackles go, and apparently there was a pretty big drop-off after, like, the first six offensive tackles or linemen. So, you know, there was a, quite a bit of need for that. There was a lot of teams looking for linemen. Now, round three is not terribly low, not terribly high, so I think we were pretty much on the mark here. There, there may have been some red flags raised um, during his medical. I don't really think so, though. I think it was probably just timing and probably uh, some other factors that may have contributed to him going to the third round. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that one works out. Now, I'm, I'm going to just go right into my high-risk category. There were two athletes that I had in my high-risk category, and for, for valid reasons. And they didn't seem to change uh, their draft status so much. They pretty much went right where I thought they would go. Bryce Hall, who was a defensive back for Virginia, ended up going in round five to the New York Jets. And Natani Muti, who was an interior offensive lineman for Fresno State, went in round six to the Denver Broncos. And these guys were both coming off, well, Bryce Hall was coming off a major ankle fracture dislocation that was treated surgically. And those are usually not too good. I mean, he probably had, well, I know he had at least some type of ligamentous or structural injury to the ligaments around the ankle. You don't have a fracture dislocation without having multiple fractures in different parts of the ankle and or uh, ligament injury to go along with it. So that's um, pretty confident on that one. And I can understand him going in round five. There's, it's hard to really predict the outcome with those. There could have been some internal structural damage to the joint as well whenever you have that type of an injury. So I'm sure that that, that raised some red flags during his medical, which may have caused him to drop. With regards to Natani Mbuti, he had been coming off some pretty major injuries. He had a Liz Frank injury in his foot. He had an Achilles injury that ended his season prematurely. He basically was not on the field for much time at all in the last few years. Um, was still considered a pretty highly regarded um, uh, interior lineman, so I'm not surprised to see him go, get drafted. It's just, uh, 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 and I'm not surprised to see him get drafted late. Um, injuries for him are going to be a big concern. Keeping him on the field and keeping him healthy is going to be an issue. So now we're going to take another quick break, and then I'm going to be back with my closing comments, and we'll go from there. You're listening to the Injured List Podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com. Now, back to the show. We are now on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just type in the Injured List Podcast to find our page, start commenting, and follow along with our daily updates. All right, guys. Well, that is going to conclude this episode. I'm glad you guys were able to tune in and analyze my analysis of the draft and some of these prospects who were dealing with uh, injuries and sports-related surgeries. So um, kudos to the NFL. They did a great job with the virtual draft. It seemed to go off pretty seamlessly. I didn't notice any major hiccups in the rounds that I watched, and I watched almost all of it. Um, with the exception of the latter few rounds on Saturday evening and Sunday. But, you know, it, it was nice to have some sense of normalcy because the draft seemed to go on pretty much exactly the same as it normally would without everybody being together in one room. So uh, I thought they did a great job. And uh, I guess those days of practice beforehand came in handy. Now, 
please reach out to us with any ideas for the show, any topics you'd like me to discuss. If you have any questions, please send me an email, drop me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Hope you guys can tune in for our next episodes. Also, don't forget every Tuesday at 8 p.m. on Facebook Live, I am a guest on the Devil's Advocate Sports Talk show with my good friend and host, Abe Delgado. We talk about various sports topics there, and it's all geared toward the fans. So if you guys wanted to participate in that, he'd be more than happy to have you on the show. Just shoot him an email, and he'll send you a link, and you guys can jump in and get involved in the conversation. So with that, everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and stay active.